RWJ Barnabas Health Telemed offers you two convenient ways to see a doctor anytime, anywhere, without having to come in for an appointment. If you're in need of urgent care, you can use our app to connect with a provider 24-7, right on your smartphone, tablet, or computer. Or you can use our website to schedule a virtual visit with an RWJ Barnabas Health Medical Group provider or specialist. And you can even register as a new patient. Book an appointment online at rwjbh.org slash telemed. Your safety has always been our top priority, and we've taken every precaution. So don't delay your care any longer. Get started today at rwjbh.org slash telemed. RWJ Barnabas Health. Let's be healthy together. Hi again, everyone. I'm Matt Laughlin. Welcome to the latest edition of Speak to the Devils, presented by RWJ Barnabas Health, the official healthcare provider of the New Jersey Devils. Joined once again by Sam Kassan. Sam, how are you doing? I'm doing wonderful. How are you doing, Matty? I'm doing well. I'm excited that hockey is on the horizon. It's hard to believe that as we're recording this today, we're just past the midway point of the month of August. Camp opens up starting September 22nd. Hard to believe, but it's right there. It's right in front of us, and I'm pumped. You're right. Once, once, honestly, once after Labor Day hits, it's just you hit the ground running. These guys start coming in. Well, they start coming in really in late August just to skate, to practice. You can just feel it. And I'll say I'm recording this right now from the Prudential Center, walking in the building. I could hear some ice skates hitting over there at the practice rink and heard some sticks clapping, heard some pucks. And, and I don't know if it was Devils players or not, but just hearing that sound just lets you know that hockey's around the corner and just getting more and more excited and excited as this season kind of gets get closer and closer to the beginning. Absolutely. And I, I love the things that have been done over the summer, the development that's taken place, the growth that we're expecting from players returning to the team off of last season and looking forward to the Devils becoming a contender for a playoff spot at the very least this year. And then ultimately that next step, getting into the playoffs on a regular basis and becoming a contender for that fourth Stanley Cup. But I'm putting the cart before the horse, and particularly <laughs> when it comes to our guest who just recently came into the devil's fold. But so much focus was placed on Luke Hughes and fourth overall, and who are the devils going to select that lost in all of the shuffle was the fact that the devils had a second first round pick. And a story I, I use to remind people of how critical that pick can be it was in 1982, Rocky Trottier was selected by the devils with their first, first round pick. Their second, second round pick was Ken Danico. And all he did was play more games than anyone else in a devil sweater, win three cups and play his entire 20 year career with New Jersey. So that second round, second pick can be awfully important in the first round. And we're going to get a chance to meet a guy who knows a little something about the national hockey league, having grown up in that family. Yeah, and, and the thing I love about Chase, too, is the personality that he has. I mean, we could talk about him as a player, and one of the things that stood out to me when speaking with Tom Fitzgerald about Chase as a player is he said he's one of the guys that you almost have to reel back a little bit. And when you're looking at players, you know, some players you have to, like, kick them in the rear to get them going to get get their energy. Well, this guy's motor's running nonstop. You almost have to reel him in, and you love having players like that that just have that dog-on-a-bone mentality. But in speaking to him, the personality is, is clearly there. I mean, the, he's comfortable talking about everything from his life, his trips over, you know, to playing in Europe, to living in Sudbury and the atmosphere there and growing up in a hockey family, watching his dad win 
well, I guess watching he was one years old and three years old, respectively, but winning two Stanley Cups, but being around that environment, the locker room, and and just so open and honest and genuine. And again, love that aspect. That's kind of the character that you're looking for in some of these players. And that's what you want when you're building a team and building, as you said, Maddie, when you win that fourth Stanley Cup, it comes from those character players. So this is a guy that fits rightly, perfectly in that mold in Chase Stillman. Yep, his uh, dad, Corey, played, as you mentioned, in the NHL for a long time, two-time cup winner. His brother, Riley, plays in the National Hockey League, and it's time to welcome uh, the younger brother of the Stillman family, Chase, to the show. Chase Stillman, welcome to Speak of the Devils. How are things with you? No, it's going great. Thank you guys for having me. Great to have you on, and uh, welcome officially to the Devils family after being drafted by the New Jersey Devils. Take us through that draft process for you as uh, you're wondering, where am I going to go? Who am I going to go to? And eventually you hear your name is called. Yeah, no, it was, it was obviously a, a lot of excitement. Uh, but then again, it was a lot of nerves leading up to the draft. Um, definitely that week felt like a year. Um, you know, every day just got slower and slower the closer you came to draft day. But, um, you know, it was a lot of fun. And uh, you kind of get in your own head a little bit about when you see yourself on the draft rankings and things like that. And, you know, for, for a couple of things to see online where they have me at 66 or 190, wherever it is. But, um, you know, I was kind of given the range uh, from my agent and, you know, he was talking to teams and those are the guys, the only ones with the real list. And, you know, I kind of had an idea of where I was going to go and, you know, for, for New Jersey to, to pounce on me at, at 29, it's everything I could ask for. And, you know, I'm, I'm really looking forward to get started here. I'm glad you brought that up because yeah, when you were selected there, there were some who said, oh, well, he went higher than he should have, quote unquote. And I was going to ask you, do you read those things beforehand? Do you, do you wonder what other people are thinking about you? But you kind of answered it by saying you got a little of the inside scoop. So that had to be reassuring because on the one hand, you have these people who are on podcasts like ours telling us their opinion of players, quite frankly. And we say, oh, we have so-and-so on and he's going to tell us, you know, who the top players are. Uh, but at the same time, you kind of knew what was going on. Yeah, I kind of knew that I, the range I was given. Um, you know, I didn't, I didn't think I was going to get past the first round and um, so, you know, I got my suit on and stuff like that. And then, you know, you see that you don't have the camera or anything set up like that from central scouting, but, um, you know, deep down that I knew that there's a chance that I was going to go. So, um, you know, it's kind of nice to kind of be known as, I guess, off the board pick and, you know, you got, you got a little less pressure, I guess, because nobody expects things from you. But, um, you know, for me, that's, I kind of want to come in and, and make an impact early. And that's what I'm looking forward to do. Heading into that day, did you have, or even before that, did you have conversations with the Devils? What were they like? Did you get a feel that this was a team that really liked you, that man selecting you? And and speaking of, I know Manny asked you about the the day up, but what was that morning and that whole day like? Because the drafts, people forget, is like at eight o'clock at night. You don't get drafted till closer to midnight. That's a long day. What did you do all during that day to kind of pass the nerves? Yeah, um, you know, I talked to the Devils uh, quite a bit uh, before the draft leading up to it. I know I was, uh, you know, started off with I think, uh, you know, just two of the scouts, and then. You know, the more and more I did with them, uh, the more management that came involved. And, you know, so I kind of got a feeling that, you know, maybe they, they, they like me a little bit. And, you know, we seemed to just have good conversations and, you know, our personalities clicked for whoever I was talking with, which was nice. So, um, and then, yeah, leading up to it, it was on, it was on the Friday. I think I was, I was at the cottage. I was just running around doing some errands with my, with my brother and sister. 
Uh, well, yeah, that was a long day leading up to that. Uh, you know, the draft part of it is actually quicker than, you know, just waiting for my name to be picked and then the hours leading up to it. That's for sure. But, um, you know, I just tried to do anything I could to keep my mind busy. And that was pretty much just, you know, fire around going to Walmart and stuff like that. And it's kind of funny how, you know, no, nobody has any idea what's going on that in my life and you know what a day this is for me. So, um, no, it was awesome. And I couldn't, I wouldn't change it for anything. So, you know, you talk to the devils, you got to feel that they like you. You obviously like them. There's a good mesh there. So you're looking at the clock and you're looking at them. They got to pick at 29. You're thinking, all right, this is somewhere I might end up going. So then they get on the clock. You anticipating them calling your name or is it in the back of your mind that this could be the spot? Yeah, I'm not so much anticipating. I can never thought for sure. Like I was like, okay, this is set in stone where I'm, I'm going here for sure. But, um, you know, I, I kind of – it was – couple of teams leading up to that too, where I, you know, I talked with and I was like, okay, maybe there's a chance here. And, you know, when Jersey came up at 29, I was like, okay, like, you know what, maybe, maybe this is the one and, you know, let's hope. And, you know, finally here from the Sudbury Wolves, it was, I knew right then and there, I think it was going to be me. So um, yeah, I just, it was just overwhelmed with excitement for sure. Um, you know, there's, there wasn't a doubt in my mind where I was like, oh, I wish I didn't go to Jersey. It was a full on open arms that I wanted to go here. So I'm super happy and thankful to be coming here. So you what don't get it? a call ahead. I'm sorry, Sam. You don't get a call ahead of time. Hey, by the way, uh, get ready. We're going to select you. You didn't <clears> yeah. really know until they, it was announced. Nothing. It was just right off the TV. I had no idea. So I, I you know what? It would. Some people are like, ah, you know, I wish that you had kind of had a little bit of chance to prepare. But for me, I think it's, it's awesome just to be able to hear it live. I think that's uh, it's such a cool feeling. And, you know, for having no idea what's going to happen, um, it was awesome. Yeah, for sure. And obviously the Devils also selected Luke Hughes in the draft earlier in the day. We all saw his reaction and his brother Jack's reaction. What was Riley's reaction when yeah, you so got Riley, was, Riley actually had to go for a walk. He was pretty he was pretty nervous. He was a lot more nervous than I was, I think. So he was actually going for a walk. And then um, he was downstairs and uh, going to the bathroom, actually. And then we had a TV going on downstairs and the rest of my family was upstairs. And um, I think that... Uh, the TV downstairs was like just one or two or three seconds ahead. So I heard him <laughs> screaming downstairs. So I wasn't sure like, Oh my God, did this guy fall over in the bathroom or something like that. But <laughs> yeah, I heard him screaming and going nuts. And then it was pretty much momentarily after that, my name was coming up. So you hear him flying up and um, yeah, no, he was excited as well. Uh, but you know, that, that Jack Hughes, uh, that excitement is pretty hard to top. But uh, yeah, right, rather was right up there for, for excitement. And he was super proud of me, which is, you know, something, really nice of him to to be a guy that you know I, I went a lot higher than he did in the NHL draft but you know that's something that he wanted me to do so I'm super thankful for that well we we, we spoke with Luke and he talked about that night and you know obviously his two brothers high draft choices including Jack first overall but you know I mean your NHL and hockey family story is pretty darn good itself. I mean, your dad plays over a thousand games in the league and your brother's playing in the league. So, uh, you know, what's it, what's it like to grow up in that atmosphere where your dad, and he's moving around a little bit, quite frankly, did you move as well? And, you know, what's it like to grow up in an NHL family? Yeah, no, it was, it was a little different. Um, you know, I think that it was pretty much, uh, a set in stone thing that every three years we'd be moving. Um, you know, that's what I felt like, but, uh, yeah, I always followed my dad and, you know, my family always went with him as well. So, uh, pretty much I was born in St. Louis, uh, lived there, I think for six weeks and then pretty much got up and moved. I don't remember any of it, of course, but, uh, yeah, it was a little different. I then went from, uh, St. Louis to Tampa, 
to Carolina to Florida. And then, you know, Florida's where I kind of got a little bit of memories from that I remember that area. But and then, um, you know, after that, I went right back to Peterborough for, I think, grade three or four. So, um, you know, it was a little different experience kind of growing up in that in that NHL setting and, um, you know, kind of being surrounded by those players. And, you know, I think it kind of ended up benefiting me in the future with uh, just basically reading off how people, you know, carry themselves here. Um, you know, it's, it's so different than, you know, anywhere else where you're, you're on a spotlight all the time and you're surrounded by, you know, professional athletes. And, um, you know, for me as a kid, I had no idea what that meant. I thought that everybody's dad played in the NHL and I didn't realize how special it was. So uh, looking back on it now, I think it kind of reflected on me and, you know, who I am as a, as a person. And, you know, I'm super grateful again that, you know, my dad was able to do that and, you know, wanted to have me around and bring me into the dressing room. And uh, it was a super great experience. You mean everybody doesn't move every three years? Yeah, no, I guess not. Yeah, <laughs> it's so weird to think about, you know, my buddies back home in Peebo that have lived in the exact same house their whole life. And it's like, yeah, I, I could relate to that at all. I've lived in four <laughs> ones, so. Well, we, we talked about Jack's reaction, Riley's reaction. Well, Big Jim's reaction when Luke was drafted was pretty undertone and subtle. What was your dad's reaction like when his second son is now yeah. drafted, following in his footsteps? Yeah, so my dad's never the one that's going to show too much emotion ever. Um, you know, he's one of those guys that is never going to be like, you score a goal, he's going to be like, oh, great job, Chase. Like, that's such a great goal. Like, I remember growing up, uh, you know, there's a couple times where I thought I played pretty well and, you know, had a goal and or assist or something like that. And then, you know, first thing you get in the car, he's like, oh, like, what? you know, we talk about the game all the time. And it's like, yeah, I had, had a nice goal. And he goes, yeah, yeah, yeah nice goal. Whatever, how are your face-offs today? Oh, and I was like, yeah, <laughs> they weren't a great. And he's like, and then he goes into how important face-offs are. So he's one of those guys where um, it's it's impossible to please him. He's always going to expect, you know, more and more. But um, obviously, he was very excited for me to to be drafted. But uh, I he's pretty mellow as well. And I know his uh, it's pretty funny seeing his dad. Um, uh, so my grandfather at his draft was uh, didn't even stand up to, to give my dad a hug or whatever, just shook his hand. So. My dad definitely stood up and, you know, gave me a hug, but, um, you know, my mom did most of the excitement for, for the parents. That's for sure. And gr growing up in obviously a hockey atmosphere with a hockey NHL dad, is hockey the sport you always seem to gravitate to? Did you play any other sports? And if you did, why did you eventually come around back to the hockey? Yeah, I was actually, a, I was a big baseball player. Um, you know, I thought when I was younger that I was going to be a baseball player. I always thought that, you know, maybe I was actually a little bit better at baseball than hockey, but, um, I think it was around when I was, you know, 14 or 13, I was actually invited to, to play on the Canadian national baseball team. So, um, you know, I, I thought about that long and hard. And then, you know, I'll, at the end of the day, I just, the hockey, the love for hockey just kind of overcame it. And, you know, I like, I like going to the rink and, and, you know, and battling, competing and playing mean and doing all those things. And, you know, just kind of stuck with it. And then, you know, the following year that I think I really took off and started to separate myself from, from other players kind of leading up to the OHL draft. So, um, it was just the love of the game. And I think, you know, for me, it's kind of that a little bit of family competitiveness too, for seeing what my dad and brother have done in the sport. And, you know, I kind of want to follow in their footsteps. What baseball position did you play? I was a third baseman. So well, was never too busy at the hot corner. I'd, you know, eat, I don't mean disgusting amount of gum and get my one to two balls a game and just <laughs> coming over to first base, but, uh, definitely hitting, hitting was my thing. I used to, you know, every once in a while, rake at the plate, which was nice. <laughs> As I say, third baseman is the power position. You got to have the the power position yeah. there. You're hitting home runs. 
Yeah. Oh yeah. So I uh, went to Cooperstown and stuff, did all that, you know, hit a, hit a home run at Cooperstown. So I thought that was pretty cool. So, you know, it, I think it's important for kids nowadays to, you know, not always just be so concerned about one sport and, you know, to be a rink rat and people, you know, nowadays think that sometimes you got to be at all the spring hockey tournaments and doing all that things. But, you know, I think it's so important to kind of work on your, just your natural athleticism and, and branch out to different sports and, you know, hockey's got to stay fun. So when you take a little bit of a break from the rink and then you go back, it's, it's a lot of fun. And, you know, my family was big on that and, you know, I'm glad I did that. Right-handed shooter, right-handed hitter. Yep. Righty for everything. Um, you know, same with golf. I'm a little bit weird when it comes to Frisbee. I throw with my left and I like brush my teeth and stuff with my left hand. doesn't make any sense, but I write with my right. So a little bit weird that way, but, um, yeah, every other sport is, uh, is right-handed. And then I'm the only one in my family that does that because everybody in my family is left-handed besides me, which is pretty weird. All right. Well, uh, you know, listen, takes all kinds, right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, so you didn't get a chance to p- really play last year, right? I mean, COVID kind of locks the world down. Did you think about going overseas much? Yeah, no, I actually, I played in Denmark for a little bit. Um, yes, I'm sorry, you, you did. But I mean, when that came about, I oh, mean, was that always initially, like initially you said, hey, listen, they're, they're locking us down. I, I got to get out of here. Yeah. So my, actually my initial uh, reaction was when it, when it shut down, I was like, okay, we're going to be closed for two weeks. And then we're not going to miss playoffs. Like it's just, it's not going to happen. Right. You never thought that, you know, COVID was going to be this big of a deal. And um, you know, then when you kind of realize the severity of it, that um, you know, I was like, you know what, I have to, I probably should do something. And um, you know, I was fortunate enough to be able to go over to Denmark and it wasn't the first option that we had. There was definitely different, different places that we thought about. And, you know, we just had so many connections and involved with that, with the energy team. So um, Denmark was a place to go for myself. And, you know, I, I think it worked out pretty well. I had a lot of fun. It was, um, you know, super cool to learn the culture and stuff there. And it wasn't a tournament format. So I got to, you know, roam around on my off days and, and learn some things and, and meet some new people. So um, I'm super glad that I was, I did that. What was it like it, yeah. in Denmark? Like, yeah, it was a little different. Um, so it, I went there in December, but there was, there was no snow. It was pretty much like uh, cloudy and rainy. So it was, it was right on the ocean. So you don't get too much usually snow there, but um, yeah, the food was great. I actually really enjoyed it. Um, the rink was, it was super cool that uh, everything was around like a 10 to 15 minute bike ride. So I'd ride my bike from my apartment to the rink every day. And, you know, and then if I wanted to go shopping and stuff, it was just, again, it was 10 minutes the other way on my bike. So um, it was super fun and it was, you know, something that you don't really get to experience uh, too much. And um, I loved the biking part of it. I thought that was awesome. How, how it easily accessible everything was. So that's how, you know, you're a true Denmarker and fitting in is when you start riding your bike everywhere, like everyone else. Exactly. Like zero cars on the roads and bikes everywhere. Yeah. And I had my little basket on the front. If I had to go, pick <laughs> up. It, was, nice. it, was like an, it was an old bike. It wasn't anything cool, but I liked my little basket. My bell was broken, so I couldn't ring anybody. <laughs> Did you get a honker? Those honker yeah, things. I needed the, the horn thing that I squeeze. <laughs> you, you mentioned there was a connection here. What's the connection? So Adam Cracknell was actually in the in the same agency that I am, and uh, he was playing with the pro team. And uh, unfortunately, it just came down to they didn't know if I was going to be able to come over with uh, regards to the OHL rules. And because uh, I was one of the first players to kind of actually go overseas. And, um, you know, it just kind of happened that they, they were bringing over um, a player from the AHL at the same time. They didn't have enough import cards. So um, I went to the U20 team, which was, it was U20, but you could have like four or five guys under the age of 25 on the team. So 
um, you know, still be able to cool to, to play against uh, players with kids, which was, you know, super interesting when uh, I got to the rink for my first game and I see a guy pull his bag out of the car and I was like, okay, this is, you know, who am I against? And then the next thing that comes out is a stroller. I was like, oh, <laughs> what, what am I, what do I get myself into here? But um, it was super cool. And, uh, you know, playing against the older guys, I think, you know, it was kind of a wake up call and, you know, just kind of realize what I can do, do against older people. And, you know, I'm, I'm happy I went. You talk about living there when you were living there, what were the restrictions like? Were they, was, was everyone having to wear masks? Were certain things shut down? Like what was, obviously we, we, you got there to play hockey. So hockey was available, but what was the rest of living like during that time? Um, it was still kind of, you have to wear a mask going into places, then you can take it off. Um, so it, everything was pretty much open. There was I, every restaurant, there was, there was no restaurants or anything uh, closed because of COVID. So it was open that way, which was great after, you know, being in full on lockdown back in Canada. So, you know, it was kind of nice to be able to, to do your own thing again. And then um, actually uh, the reason that I left Denmark was because we got word that it was going to be shutting down. So, um, I, you know, I got on the plane ride and then, you know, the day after, two days after it actually, nobody was allowed in or out of the country for two weeks. So, um, you know, then hockey didn't start up for a couple months after that. So I got it there in just time, which was nice. And then you went to obviously play for Team Canada, represent your country. What was that experience like? What's like, I know it was a select few games you got into, but being able to showcase a different side of your game in that tournament. Yeah. And, you know, every time that you get invited to, to Hockey Canada event, it's super special. And, um, you know, I'm super thankful that I was able to, to represent my team in, in a, in a hand-baked or hand-picked kind of event where, you know, there was no trials or anything like that. So, you know, they trusted me as a player and, but it was, yeah, it was, it was a super great experience. Um, you know, it's super different with, uh, with all the COVID stuff that we had to go in and quarantine by ourselves and, uh, and just in a hotel room for, for four or five days. But, um, you know, the hockey was great. You know, I was able to kind of broadcast all the exercise and strength that I put on in the off season. So, um, you know, I know that New Jersey really liked the, the physicality that I brought and, you know, hopefully I can continue to bring here as, as I keep uh, moving forward in my career. But, um, you know, it was awesome kind of playing that, uh, you know, I guess, third line shutdown role and, and bringing some energy is, you know, something I think that it can keep in my tool belt as long as well as, um, you know, kind of bringing that skill game, with, uh, scoring goals and making plays. And you know, I'm just kind of looking forward to, to transverse that game into, into next season, wherever I am. Well, speaking of the way you play, kind of even your just philosophy and your mentality when it comes to playing, I know you write a little inscription SID on the inside of your glove. Can you explain to us what the SID stands for and how you kind of develop that philosophy over your, over your lifespan, I guess. Yeah, so the SID stands for safe as death is just something that, um, you know, me and my brother, I don't know where it actually came from, but uh, I guess we just kind of heard and kind of talked about it and then just realizes that you can never, you never should be comfortable, um, you know, and as soon as you get comfortable, you're in trouble. And uh, just just meaning that you always want to be pushing yourself and, and looking forward to kind of wanting to be better. And, um, you know, even when you're, say you're playing on a team and you're the top player and you maybe you can set, settle down and be like, okay, I can take a break and, and not be in the gym or do things like that. But, um, you know, someone's always coming for you. Someone's always trying to take your job or, or be better than you. So um, it's just kind of a reminder to, to stay focused. That's all it is really. And um, so I, yeah, keep that in the glove as a little bit of a reminder. Um, it's not something that like every shift I'm like looking at to make sure that, you know, this, <laughs> right. I got to remember this, but um, you know, every once in a while, just when you see it, um, whether that's, I don't look at it for, for a couple of days and then, you know, when I'm putting it on for practice that I kind of, you know, remind myself that why I'm here and why I'm doing this and you know, something I like to have. 
So you live a, a bit of a dream, obviously. You're selected by a National Hockey League team. You've represented your country uh, in international competition. Uh, you've established yourself as a top player. So what's the next step? What do you need to work on as you get ready to go back to Sudbury? Um, yeah, you know what? I still think it's everything. I think you can never be too, it's definitely size and strength. You can never be too fast for the NHL and or any league whatsoever. And, you know, you see the guys that starting to dominate every league is, you know, it's how great their skating is. So I think that's something that I'd like to improve on and, um, you know, work with my, uh, my skating uh, instructor, Tracy Tutton there. And unfortunately I wasn't able to in the summer, but, you know, I still reach out to her every once in a while and she can watch some game film and, and work on some little things. But, um, you know, at the end of the day, it's, it's still those individual skills with your, your shooting and passing and, and doing all the little things uh, consistently. It's not a, you know, every once in a while, it's something you got to do repetitively. And so if I'm, if I'm back in Sudbury, you know, it's something that it's time now that I should probably start, you know, taking over the league a little bit more now being uh, being a first round draft pick and being an 18 year old and in the OHL. So um, I'm looking forward to that and, you know, hopefully I can, um, you know, start to produce a lot more. What's the longest ride to a game? Because Sudbury is pretty far up there. Yeah, it's it's pretty far north. Um, yeah, we have a co- we have a couple far ones, and you know when you kind of get to a certain part, it's not that fun to look out the window. It's just a lot of rock. Uh, that's that's what Sudbury's known for. So, um, I think the longest one is depending on obviously traffic and things like that. Is uh, the sh- probably Flint when we go on that, uh, when we go on that American road trip to Flint, Saginaw, Erie one, I think it's around like eight or nine hours it takes, but it's, it's nothing compared to the WHL. You hear, no. stories, you hear stories about those guys that, uh, at the hockey Canada events. And we always laugh about it because we think we have it bad, but, uh, yeah, they got a bus for a lot farther. They got like the sleeping ones and stuff. I usually just, you know, put my legs up or something. So, um, it's not too bad. And, you know, it'd be nice to be, I guess, in a central location, but, you know, at the same time, it's kind of a nice wind down after a game when, you know, maybe you didn't play the best. So you don't just go home and, and can't sleep. You get a little bit of a couple hour wind down. So it's not the worst thing in the world. Yeah. In the CHL, like there are a couple of teams that just to me represent junior hockey, right? You know, whether it's some of those Western teams, you know, whether, uh, you know, you're you're going through Medicine Hat or, you know, Moose Jaw and all that sort of stuff. But Sudbury is one of those teams too. What is the town of Sudbury like? It's a mining community, I know, but what's it like? What's yeah, life like well, up there? I love Sudbury. Um, it's, a, it's a great hockey town. You know, they, we may not have the biggest fan base or, you know, draw in the most crowd, but the people that come uh, love hockey. So it's great to see. And, you know, when you, you're, you're a Sudbury Wolf there, that some people kind of recognize you where you go and, and at the mall and stuff, they'll come and say hi. And it's just, uh, you're, it's great people. It's great Northern people, Canadian, you know, when you see like, hear the stereotypical, you know, how nice people are, it's, uh, you know, somebody is a place that I can kind of be like that. That's where it is. So um, there's a lot of snow. That's where we get a lot of, you know, all of a sudden be, the summers are great there. I've heard, I've never really spent one there, but um, you know, one day you'll wake up in November and it's like, yeah, it's like a, your sweater weather than, you wake up for school the next day and you're now you're in like five feet of snow. Where did, where did this come from? It's just a blanket. But um, yeah, we have a lot of history in that rink. Obviously the big nickel is, is a big thing that's known for, but the rink, uh, you know, we we're talking about it a little bit earlier that the, the wolf comes down every time you score. And we have this like train horn that is like way too loud, but I love it. It's, it's, it's awesome. And it, I know it rattles, uh, you know, see you here and some of the guys, I know Brent Clark's one of the guys that it really makes mad when, when here's the horn going. So, um, yeah, it's great. I couldn't ask for, you know, a better spot to play in my rookie year. And, and, you know, now I'm going to play, hopefully I'd unfortunately second year didn't count, but, uh, have my third year now in Sudbury. I'm really looking forward to it. 
Wolf howls at a goal. When does the train horn sound? Like, um, so it's the train right after you score. And then you'll hear like the, you'll see it and now hear because it's so old, the wolf going across and then the, the howls after it. Nice. There are well, places you- I'd, I, I'd love to get to, to watch some junior hockey. And, and, you know, that's one of them. Uh, you know, who knows what the future holds. I'll be busy with the NHL this season, but. Yeah. Or maybe there'll be a time where I can kind of just do a car ride across yeah, Canada and check out some of those. Fries. If you're going to get something, get the French fries. They're pretty good. What do I get if I'm in Denmark? I know maybe you didn't have much of a chance with, uh, you know, as uh, you explained to us. but Kebabs. So, you know, for me, the kebab is, you know, the meat on the stick, whatever. But for them, it's like this, like, burrito wrap kind of thing. I had no idea what I was ordering. Like a gyro, yeah. Yeah, I had no idea what I was ordering. We went there at this like kind of dive restaurant. They're like, these things are unbelievable. And I'm looking at this guy throw it on this thing, and I was like, like this looks disgusting. Like I, and then they're like, there's like jelly or something getting thrown on it. And I was really worried actually at what the thing was gonna taste like, but they been into it, and it was it was awesome. It's like the shredded meat or pork or I don't know kebabs, but they were great. That's that's one of the foods I remember there. Sam is our world traveler. Sam, you been to Denmark? I have been in Denmark, yeah. Yeah, well, what, what is it like? Copenhagen. It's it's just it's a meat, a mash of meat. It's like a gyro. Do you ever have a gyro? They just turn the gyro and put on the little pita. So the kebabs, it depends on what kind you get. Could be chicken, could be beef, could be lamb, all yeah. that stuff. There's a lot of mystery meat. You don't know. It is There's a question mystery, mark yeah. on the menu. There's a question kind of mark. Yeah, I'll have it. I'll take a shot. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. And like, it wasn't actually none of the. Well, some restaurants obviously had English on the menu, but. At this dive place, like it was almost like a chip shop, but it was a it was, okay. like a, smaller, it was a smaller shop, and none of it was in English. So I had my buddy just order all of it. So I was just completely trusting him. It was a little bit. <laughs> so well, yeah, most of them are sold in like streetcars. Were there a lot of? I guess you probably were they have around. I don't know with COVID, they would have them yeah, around. Then there's like these huge hot dogs that they're known yeah, for. Yeah. I actually didn't get to eating a. Hot, excuse me, I didn't get to eating my uh, those famous hot dogs unfortunately but um the kebab thing yeah it was like a little it was like a you know it's like a you know where like a subway would be in like a plaza it was like that but cut it in half the size of it (laughs) (laughs) oh that's awesome what are some foods you enjoy what are your what's your taste in uh restaurants and stylings um i would say my favorite food all time would be probably lobster i love seafood all all seafood um yeah anytime you want to just get some lobster and like a uh, twice baked potato and just mound of butter or something like that. That'd be my go-to, but it's not something you should have all the time. Uh, but, um, restaurants, um, I'm kind of all over the map. Um, I'm not a picky eater really, but, um, usually it's like, I like my burgers, um, at restaurants. Um, obviously of course, pasta, tortellini is up there. And then, uh, my Nana, my mom make the meanest progies anyone's ever seen. So (laughs) I wish we had those more, but, uh, we only have them at like Christmas and Thanksgiving. Well, there are a couple of places when uh, you make, and hopefully it's sooner rather than later, make New Jersey your home. Uh, there are a lot of great pierogi towns in New Jersey. You know, Eastern Europeans came over and laid claim and still do and go a couple of places in Linden. I can't think of a couple of places in South River. Might not compare, <laughs> might not compare to the home cooking but I think you'll be able to get your fair share of pierogies for that'd sure. Be, that'd be great. 
Not sure about the mystery meat thing. We're going to have to have our, our Danish fans, uh, Sam, let us know where yeah, uh, somebody may be able to get that. Pay me on what I was eating there. I still really have no idea. Totally <laughs> well, the kebab shops are all over, all over That's Europe. Too. You can find those pop-ups oh, everywhere. Yeah. Pretty much. Oh, there's some great places in Patterson too. You get some great Middle East. Oh my goodness. Got us going on the food now, Chase. Manny's hungry now. Manny's hungry. Exactly. Exactly. Always on the lookout for a good meal. But uh, full disclosure, I'm a pescatarian. I don't eat meat. I eat, you know, vegetarian meals and and fish. But the lobster thing certainly resonated with me. (laughs) So we're good. Uh, Anyway, that's it for me, Sam. You got another question or two? I was going to ask if you have any interesting hobbies. Do you do off the ice? Uh, some things, you know, maybe maybe give the fans a little look at you as necessarily not the hockey player, but you know, chase some of the person. Some maybe an interesting fact about yourself, stuff like that. Um, yeah, uh, I guess sports have always been my thing. Um, I love you know kind of being doing physical activity and, and playing a bunch of different sports. But um, you know, something that I always do in the summer is uh, so we live at our cottage in the summer and is wave surfing. So I know that's kind of a big trend right now, but I was on that pretty early. So I've been doing that for, for a couple of years and I've gotten, uh, you know, pretty good at it recently. Got a couple of new tricks down that I learned this summer that I'm pretty excited about. And then I'll have to relearn it next summer cause I'll lose it, but eventually it'll stick. Uh, so yeah, do a lot of wake surfing, um, you know, spike ball, love playing spike ball with my buddies and, um, yeah, pretty much yeah, those two things. And then golf, uh, you know, after my uh, dad got the coaching job there in Arizona and I was living down there for a bit in the summer, um, worked on the golf game a lot. So, yeah, uh, yeah. Not afraid to challenge anybody now for, for a round. So whenever anyone's ready, let me know. Matty, Matty's a big golfer. Maybe love it. Love him. it. I, I do recall. love it. That's for I sure. Just, I, I haven't gotten on the, I'm sorry. I said, I smell a match coming up. Oh yeah. Hey, listen, no problem. <laughs> I, uh, haven't done the wakeboard thing. Although yeah. I'd give it a go. Honestly, one of the things I want to do before it's all said and done, whatever that is, is surf. I, I you know, I just, oh, I I've, yeah, I've never, I've only wake surfed. I've never done uh, ocean surfing. That's on yeah. the list for sure. Sharks scare me like bad, but yeah, we'll see. I don't know. You got yeah. better place to get killed by a coconut or something like that. I read. <laughs> <laughs> it point, sounds though. like a nicer way to go, right? Yeah. 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 yeah, seriously. But no, surfing definitely on the back of us. That's something I'd like to do. Well, Chase, any music stylings you like? Um, no, all over the map. I've that's one thing that anyone kind of say. I got the weirdest playlist going. It go from, you know, country like so. I just have this playlist called Chase, and it's got like two thousand songs on it that I like, and it can go anywhere from, from country to rap to like pop. I got a lot of two thousands pop, and then throwing some like classical in there. Like it's all over the map. It'll go from like super hardcore to soft and make you want to cry. It's, it's weird, but. I'm not picky with music at all. I pretty much like all of it and pretty good with uh, remembering lyrics of songs. And it's too bad I'm not a good singer because that'd be <laughs> is, is it on your phone, the playlist? On uh, my phone, yep. Apple Music. People chirp me for that too because Spotify, I guess, is a new thing, but I like Apple. Nothing wrong with it. Do right, you have your phone on you? Yep. Pull it out. Let's, let's hear the top next five songs on the playlist. Right, yeah, we'll we'll shuffle. shuffle here. It'll be yeah, weird. we'll do a shuffle. We'll see what five we come up with. All right. I don't, I don't, I think the Apple music is more popular than people would want to admit because there's been that same conversation in many circles and some people are still on the Apple train. Yeah, some, it's just like the, they like the Spotify just because I guess it, it makes the playlist for you. So you don't really yeah. have the effort, but just laziness, it's, just laziness. It's this has been years in the making. So, <laughs> so we got Renegades here. 
Shaggy. Oh, Shaggy. Speaking of 2000s. Michael Jackson. Oh. Okay, oh. that man in the mirror. Oh, yeah. One of my favorite that's, a, that's a jam. That's a bop. And then we go to jam max. If I just keep keep hitting shuffle here, it is all over the map. Some meatloaf. Like I don't I don't make this up. Like it's oh, there you go. Place, so. Well, that that is classic rock right yeah. there. Yeah, the car rides are pretty interesting with me. If I'm on ox, there you never know what you're gonna get. That's fair. You you'd be like the perfect person for like a road trip because when you're gonna like travel across country, you yeah. just want some kind of variety, and that's probably the right. All right, last question for me. I need to know, are you still a big Spider-Man fan? Because I have a, heard from a source that when you were a child, you were obsessed with Spider-Man and wanting to be Spider-Man. So I wonder if you're still a fan of the, the genre and still seeing the shows. And, yep, and could you tell us about the young days as young Spider-Man? Your source, that's for sure. Um, you I, I think I hold the world record. I think when I was younger, I went to Spider-Man like eight years in a row or something like that. Um, <laughs> for Halloween? Yeah, to the to the point where they're like, okay, like Chase, like switch it up, and you know, you might have like a little Spider-Man obsession, but not obsessed <laughs> with it. Um, still a huge Marvel fan still. Look, and I love love the movie still. Um, but yeah, you won't catch me in my Spider-Man undies anymore. <laughs> no, I'm sure. I mean, my why not? <laughs> that's fair. That's fair. Which Spider-Man did you like the best? Which actor? Ah, they're so. Toby Maguire will probably always be my Spider-Man just because that's when it, I was, you know, kind of first watching it. Um, classic, classic. Classic, yeah. That, um, you know, I talked to my brother about it. He always, like, that Spider-Man movie was, we had an Escalade with the movie thing in the back was was in there for way too long. And, uh, yeah, that was the only thing I would watch. So, uh, but, yeah, he'll forever be my Spider-Man. I love, you know, Andrew Garfield is great. And then... Um, Tom Holland obviously does a great job in the new movies. I love the new movies as well. So, um, yeah, not a, not a super picky guy, not a movie critic or anything like that. I love all of them, but Tobey Maguire for sure is going to be my Spider-Man forever. Do you have a favorite of the Tobey Maguire three? Um, I can't always go wrong. I don't know. First one, you can't go wrong with the first one. I like the origin it, when it shows the origin story and things like that and the Green Goblin. So, uh, yeah, first one for sure. Fair, fair point. Good enough. Well, on that note, we'll wrap things up. Uh, Chase, it's been great getting to know you. Uh, the personality shines through. We wish you the very best of luck with Sudbury this year and looking forward to seeing you with the New Jersey Devils whenever that happens. But as I said earlier, hopefully sooner rather than later. Thanks for your time. Yeah, awesome, guys. Thank you so much. Congrats on the new house, honey. What's this? Carbon monoxide detectors? Yeah, put one on every level. Because you can't see or smell carbon monoxide. And when fuel-burning appliances aren't working right, CO can build up and be deadly. Guys, I'm on it. We just want to know you're safe. At PSENG, we're committed to your family's safety. Know how to prevent carbon monoxide poisoning. If your CO detector goes off, leave immediately. Then call 911. Protect the ones you love. Learn more at PSEG.com slash gas safety. If he can bring half of his personality to the ice in terms of his ability on the ice. The Devils have a player. Boy, I love that time that we spent with Chase. Uh, boy, you, you talked about it at the start. What an engaging guy. Yeah, and I mean, even going as, as far as talking about his Spider-Man obsession from his youth and his, his days back in the day, you know, just, you know, it, it, it's something that some players might be embarrassed by things they did in their childhood or whatever. And he's just like, Oh yeah, I was the Spider-Man for Halloween eight years of straight. And 
watched that movie a billion times and just you can see almost how excited he was reliving those those memories but it, but you see it in any, anything he talks about whether it was growing up with his family uh the, the day he was drafted with his brother having to scream downstairs and run up stairs and, and greet him and, and just all those aspects he, you could see how excited he was talking about living in europe you know living in denmark and, and the food uh his food and eating habits over there with the, the kebabs and so the kid just screams passion. He's clearly got a passion for a lot of things. He's got a passion for life in general. And obviously has a passion for hockey. And of all those passions, this is the one that he felt the strongest about, the one he wanted to pursue. And he's one step closer, having been drafted by the Devils, to making that jump to the NHL. Obviously, it's a couple of years away, but it is one step closer when you get that with your name selected for a pick. And he touched upon it early. There were several prognosticators who thought the Devils jumped the gun a little bit on Chase Stillman, but he knew that the Devils and some other teams were in on him and had him higher ranked. But beyond that, Tom Fitzgerald was thrilled to get him. Like the Devils believe they've gotten a steal here. Never. Some people think he could have gone in the third round and saying, oh, the Devils jumped the gun. Tom Fitzgerald saying, we're happy he was there. We got ourselves a player. He's got size. He goes to the front of the net. He's got all those uh, intangibles that you want to see in terms of leadership and, and dedication and the engine that runs at such a high speed uh, as well. That's an obvious physical talent. So the Devils feel they got a real good one. Yeah, they do. And they do have a really good one. And, and something to keep in mind, too, the agents always seem to have a better idea of where teams are feeling because they speak to the you know, all these different teams and they get an idea where they think those teams client feel their client is going to go. And so when he told Chase, he feels he's going to go in the first round, like he, he admitted to us, he didn't think he was going to go the next day. So he wore his best suit for day one on Friday, thinking he was going to go in the first round because that's where he was. And then the other thing to keep in mind, the devils didn't have a second round pick. So here's a guy that they really like, that they really project out. Well, he's not going to be there if you don't take him now. And, and they look at the board, they look at a couple of different options on what they could take. Well, they clearly felt that he wasn't going to be there after this pick. Maybe there was another guy they liked that could be there, but they didn't want to risk losing their chance to have Stillman be a part of the organization. So they took him and now he's a part of the organization. And obviously, as you said, you could, you could see how excited Tom Fitzgerald was. He was like lighting up when he was speaking of Chase Stillman as a player and, and what he sees in him. So you, the devils are thrilled to have him. And as you can see by his, uh, our conversation with him today, he's thrilled to be here as well. Yeah, and we're looking forward to following his exploits with the Sudbury Wolves in the Ontario Hockey League this year and that wolf coming out with the goals and the train, the train and noise. The train. And what 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 an atmosphere that must be. Well, that will wrap things up on this edition. Sam, good to be with you again. Looking forward to our next go around. Yeah, I can't wait to do it. And also okay. thank you, Andrew McLean, for uh, killing us always on the producing and the editing. Exactly. Taking the counter. Yeah, tip of the cap and stick taps and all that to Andrew for his good work as producer of Speak of the Devils. Brought to you, as always, by our good friends at RWJ Barnabas Health, the official health care provider of the New Jersey Devils. For Sam Kassan, I'm Matt Lachlan. Thank you for your company. It's always appreciated. We'll see you soon. Be safe, everyone. Bye-bye.